0: Hello, and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. And
1: we got some emails. Yeah, should I start with one from Kai? We we read a link that he sent us last week. It was with regards to wisdom, and he sent us a Bible verse. Job. Job, yeah. He just wanted to thank us for sharing that. Uh, He also said, regarding your guest's theory that children are born with a sense of right and wrong, um, I have found that this is not always so. And here he elaborates. I was brought to Kenora, Ontario, from the Faroe Islands when I was very young. My mom cared for a neighbor's child during the day. This child frequently bit me. Uh Uh-oh. No one knew what to do about it, so my mom wrote to her dad in Torshaven. Several weeks later, the response arrived. I was told to bite the offending child, which I did. Ooh. He He never bit me again. It's also biblical,
0: right? Eye for an eye. The golden rule. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose that connects to the study, which was about whether kids think it's okay to do one thing or the other, but only up to a point. Because the study then, if that child had been part of the study, they that child would have found out that God says, "No,
1: you can't do that." And the child would have disregarded that because he or she knows innately, almost at least, that was from age four. Yeah, that what is right and wrong, and God can't change that. Right. Another email. You got an email? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a long one. I'll kind of kind of shorten it. Um, this was on the topic of uh, veganism mm-hmm. and why we, we looked into why for every one male vegan, there tend to be about two or three female vegans out there. Mm-hmm. What's the gender gap? Why? What's causing that gender gap? This is from Sunny, who wrote in to say that she, I believe it's a she, is glad that we're talking about vegans and vegetarians. She's been a casual vegetarian for almost 15 years. Um, and she says it's kind of funny to th- that that one of the questions in there was about if my partner were to suddenly go vegetarian or vegan, would I find him or her or would I find them less attractive? Mm-hmm. And Polish people, men and women, said yes, less attractive if they yeah. were to do that. And Significantly,
1: right? 29% you, or 26%, somewhere in there? Like 25 in mind,
0: but it was significant. And yeah. she flips the script and says, uh, from her perspective, it's the opposite. If she's with someone, they're both vegetarian, and then the partner starts eating more meat, that 's not that 's less attractive, and then she continues with that thought to say, "You know where is the study on um, on that kind of disgust? Because from her perspective, watching someone eat meat elicits feelings of disgust mm. and the thing is, Sonny, I found it a lot of times people write into us and and i don 't there is no study there's a study on this
1: when was this conducted
0: twenty twenty two frontiers in nutrition. And it's called the relationship between meat disgust and meat avoidance, a chicken and egg problem. So what was the chicken and egg problem? It was, is it that vegetarians, because they became vegetarians or vegans, is it because of that that they're disgusted by it? Or were they more naturally inclined to be disgusted by meat and hence they wandered toward vegetarianism and veganism? What did you find out? They took 40 people. Yeah. These 40 people did veganuary and not perfectly sometimes they lapsed ate a little meat and uh, what they found out was with these 40 people going vegan for January mostly vegan was predictive of increase in meat disgust
1: afterwards so they did a before and after comparison after they were more disgusted by people who eat meat yes okay
0: or or meat itself the whole the whole process the thing, yeah. i've heard anecdotes from other people that kind of corroborate this but that is something that happens as a result of going vegan or vegetarian, right. and sticking to that topic, we got tons of emails, tons of YouTube comments as well, uh, one of my least favorite, why are you people spreading so many lies? I thought DW had some integrity, but this is just sad. People feel really strongly about food. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, it's DW Podcasts on YouTube, you can see how I replied yeah. to that long sequence of comments. Yeah, you did a lot of replying.
1: Good job well, with, that. with links to studies. Well, I mean, you are what you eat, right? So, So you are possibly... Uh, criticizing people by even mentioning the vegan diet,
0: well, I, criticizing their desire we,
1: to eat meat. Yeah, we tried, to, we tried, to, I, we tried hard to say, look, we're, you and I are not vegan,
0: Gabe. I, we, just, we, we saw this no. at, at lunch just now. We're not vegetarian, Mm-mm. and so we're not promoting lifestyle, but you should be aware of the fact that you benefit from other people doing this, uh, whether it's the climate or even animal we- welfare, etc. So another story or another study that has just made headlines around the world connected to... In this case, vegetarianism or a vegetarian diet. I'm going to read some of those headlines because they are way over the top. And that's why I'm talking headlines about... Headlines about the study. About a new study, okay. about a different study. Okay. Here's one from The Guardian. Hunter's gatherers were mostly gatherers. That one's, that one's pretty calm, pretty mm-hmm. tame. Yeah. Then the Daily Mail. Forget hunter-gatherers. Early humans should be known as gatherer-hunters, which is just terrible to say, gatherer-hunters, because they were mostly vegetarian, study claims. Okay. And then we're going to go to the mass circulation newspaper, The Sun, also for a uh, British newspaper. yabba dabba Do vegan <laughs> <laughs> Cartoon caveman Fred Flintstone would have eaten veg instead of meaty Bronto burgers, say experts. Okay. So they
1: analyze, <laughs> what, they check the diets of people who lived yeah. hundreds, of, hundreds of thousands of years ago? Or?
0: Uh, not, that's, so there you are. These headlines misinform <laughs> because that's the image I had in mind, hundreds of thousands of years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. No. Anywhere from six and a half thousand to nine thousand years ago, and not everywhere, way up in the Andes, next to Lake Titicaca, and they looked at 20
1: bones up there.
0: 24 bones. Okay. So, how would you figure out what these people are eating? There are a couple ways to do it. You could look around and see if you could find remnants of the food. You could find animal bones. And then carbon
1: date that probably? Or... Um, well,
0: if you, yeah, you, it would it should be connected to the same time that these people yeah. were alive, roughly. Yeah. You could find uh, remnants of those foods. It could be seeds, it could be grains, it could be whatever, yeah. meat products. You could also do, um, l- well, look for paleo feces, which is something we talked about a couple years back. Uh, it was regarding a salt mine over sure, in they Austria. Sure,
1: fossilized, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and there in Austria 3,000 years ago amazingly, people were eating blue cheese and drinking beer. That was the headline. Yeah. So that's another way of doing it. The other way is to take those bones and look for isotopes. Certain isotopes, they're connected to nitrogen, they're connected to carbon, and they're like, they're like a barometer or like a, like a thermometer for how much, how much meat you're eating at that time or how, how many vegetables. And mm. specifically in this case with the vegetables, it was a, a, a root, kind of a potato. It's called a tuber, in this case, maca tubers. But you can imagine potatoes growing around. Yeah. People were eating a lot of these according to this isotope analysis. In fact, it was anywhere from, um, that was at the top. It was anywhere from? It was anywhere from 70 to 95% of their diet is what the researchers concluded. Yeah,
1: but again, we're talking about one group of people in the Andes Mountains? Correct. It, it feels a l- difficult to, to draw too many conclusions based on that one group.
0: That's that's 100% correct. And also, this is a very specific time frame, yeah. 6,500 to 9,000 years ago. So it's possible that these people, there are a couple options, but one of them is that these people, they, there could have been a lot of meat around. Walking around, um, they had vicuñas, which are like these llamas or alpacas, but smaller. Yeah. They had already wiped out all these incredible, just like a couple thousand years earlier, um, all these incredibly huge megafauna, sloths yeah. that were up, weighed up to I, I think four tons, if you can imagine that. Um, they had elephant leg mastodon like animals. Th- they were all gone. Then it's the next wave, possibly of of animal reduction, ex- and and now they're kind of shifting
1: into agriculture. Maybe they were just disgusted by the meat. I don't think. Well, it could be, yeah, right? that or that. Uh, I mean, taking down a mastodon. I mean, imagine all that meat laying around all the time. It
0: could be religion playing into it. There are a lot of different options. It, we humans, in, in a, in a I, don't, I mean this in a good way. We're pretty lazy. We take the easiest food option there is, no so doubt. long as it provides most of the nutrition. We don't get terribly sick of it, and so at that, it might
1: have, been, it might have just been way easier to
0: eat the root. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, this does not tell us what Fred Flintstone. Was doing by the way, I I, I've never thought I'd Google that, but when was he alive? In in that show, he was alive about twelve thousand years ago. Even though there's, they have a pet dinosaur that doesn't make sense. They died sixty six million years ago. Um, But in Dino, right? Dino was the name. Yeah. Um, What this what this says in a very all it says is that way up in the Andes, six and a half thousand, nine thousand years ago, twenty four individuals over the course of three and a half thousand years. Hmm. mostly ate tubers, it seems, and that we should kind of understand this as part of the transition toward agriculture. That's what actually happened in
1: that study. All right. Well, thank you for the clarification, Connor. Yeah. How do you recover from work? Exercise. Exercise. It's an activity that you do that has nothing to do with work, that takes your mind off work. Once you're done with it, you feel a sense of mastery and psychological detachment, and the next morning, if you were to write in your diary about how you felt, you would feel recovered because of what you did? Yeah, so long as it wasn't too strenuous. Like, yeah. if I really push myself to the limit,
0: then I might be like, man, I'm gassed, and now I have to go back to work. Mm.
1: But yeah, mostly. This was a study on how to recover from work using a very specific activity, video games. Okay, yeah. Playing video games. They, they found 65 different employees from 19 different countries had them fill out diary entries at night after playing video games mm-hmm. and the next morning. And they were looking for those two things, psychological detachment at night and in the morning feeling vigorous or the feeling of being recovered, feeling mm-hmm. recovered based on what you did after work. So this activity here is playing video games. It's not running around like you do or or physical exercise. And they found, I mean, I'll make this, this short, I and mean, this study is about 25 pages. If you want to check it out, you can online. But it's essentially, if you play video games after work, it will make you feel more recovered the next morning. And it has to do with feeling psychologically detached, taking your mind off work. Once you're finished with work, you come home, you do something that takes, like, allows you to forget about it, but also gives you this feeling of mastery. Mastery. So, yeah. Because they, they didn't just have people fill out diaries about whether they could, that they have forgotten about work or that they felt that they, they, they mastered something or learned something new. They also wanted to look at their passion for video games and what that meant for how much they played. They chose gamers. They probably, they must have, that was they the, chose gamers. Okay. That they was chose the gamers. You had to have a passion for video games, but they also looked into that passion. So I guess in the, in the passion literature, you differentiate between people with harmonious passion and with obsessive passion. <laughs> harmonious passion is, is like wanting to play video games because you want to learn a new experience. You want, to, you want to do something, like almost live something vicariously through the video game, learn something new. Obsessive passion is when you just need to play. Okay. You have to addiction. play addiction. addiction addictions like something that you need to do to, to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. Out of you're not in control of it. Yeah. If you had this harmonious passion, it meant that you played less. And also that that time that you played, it gave you this sense of mastery. I was gonna say that play less is very important because, right, because I, okay, they I, I, they also measured sleep. That's and, exactly the problem. Right.
0: There are so many, myself yeah. included. Uh, my wife would say the same right now she's stuck in a game that is keeping her up until one in the morning mm-hmm. pretty pretty regularly it 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 time it dilates time it changes time suddenly you look at the clock and it's it's 10 p.m then you look again
1: and it's one yeah and you're like what ha- why did I do this I got into this game where you're 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 driving a truck you're taking logs and, and metal beams from Point A to Point B through the Yukon Territory, Alaska. It took a long time to get those logs around, right? And I, it, the t- it would hit 1 30, 2 a.m., and then I was feeling I, I, I want to get this. I want to get these logs to the Yukon Territory. These I need, di- I need to deliver digital logs. I need to deliver these logs. But these bites of information. But I I have to go to sleep. Yeah. But I wasn't in control of my destiny. I had to. So there you wouldn't have been the harmonious. You I would was have obsessed.
0: been the obsessive. I was obsessed. And, and if I had done
1: a diary entry the next morning. That it would have I wouldn't have felt vigorous. I wouldn't have felt like I'm ready for work because I would have been depleted. So what's the lesson for people out there? I mean, first of all, the criteria
0: was that they're already a gamer. yeah, so but let's assume most of our listeners aren't. You can hop
1: into a game, set a time limit. not don't set a time limit because it's based on what you want. But if you notice that the video game that you're playing, that you're not doing it to learn something new and and to to have fun with it, but you have to play it, then don't do it. But that game, if you play it and it and it has this this feeling that it's that it's taking your mind off work, but it's not hurting you in any way that will make you feel recovered after work.
0: Yeah, I guess that'd be my question for people out there. I mean, I mentioned exercise as a as a true break from from thinking about work or of course you think about it still sometimes, but the biggest break possible for me. And here we have video games. And what else what else do you suggest? It is healthy and important to get those thoughts out of your head once you leave the job. I
1: yoga. I I, I I've I've done that. I'm not, not much, but uh, i I know for sure that from this from the study they mentioned that mm. yoga and mindfulness meditation. Those are things that that allow you to train yourself to take your mind off work. Oh, see that's, If you go running, great. yeah, those thoughts can still linger in your head while you're running, you know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah, they can percolate. Yeah. Anything to say on these studies or any others? We've got a great email about uh, from a guy whose calves are cramping in the night. We're not going to read it now, but just know, Derek, that um, I don't know why, but I'm with you on that one. That happens to me. And I want to find the answer to help you, but also to help me. So the, that one is...
1: Restless leg syndrome? No, no, no. You, no? Wake,
0: you wake up in the night and you've got a, a cramp in your
1: calf. Cramp in the calf.
0: That's what he's got. I've, I get that once in a while. I Anybody else
1: out there with a cramp in the calf?
0: Yeah, What what is going on? Yeah. SU at DW.com. Science Unscripted.